Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Uh, today is uh, Thursday. What's the date? May 26th. Um, holiday weekend coming up. Uh, Summer and I will be live speaking. Um, latest developments on what the uh, murder of a Palestinian-American journalist, uh, Shireen, who was working for Al Jazeera and was killed by Israeli forces. Um, and also... We'll be, uh, of course, talking about everyone else talking about the mass shootings or the mass shooting that took place uh, in Texas. That and your phone call. We'll be right back. This is True Talk on WMNF. خلوني بشيخة مصموت وحكمه ناس الراقة والكراسي بالهبوت يه نحب نشد الروت ونقلب المناظر نقلب وجهي منا هنا يما ما نحب نعيش الاحياء بالموت نوفا كيما ولد الزارع بشيخة بلا يا ليلي ويا ليلة وش بش نسكيلك يما وقالوا لي ليلة صغيرو في قلبي غمة حب الدين ودير الفوق يحبو يقصو لجناحي ريوس الرجلة ميلة رزنك بالتخمام وبالشيخ عالم خاخم بيلة أولاد الحومة نشوات النمجيلة شرف العينين بالخير ما يشم الستفيلة حبوا يسوقونا كيف الزيلة ومربط في زيبة وخطوة السكين مكيلة يحبوا كبري ما عندك شي عائلة نعيشوا في سيستام حكمه أولاد المتحيلة يحبوا خايب على الوشود ساكت على حقك ورضيب اللي يحبوا موجود يما تجري وما كشخالت على الكوت شخال أولاد الحومة قطع قطع من الحدود تزيدوا في قفسك مربوط وإذبع مسيبو زيدك للك عشاك يما حبوك قاعد في زنقة مرفوض والمستقبل اللي تشوف فيه متعدي بحذاك يا ليلي ويا ليلة وش بش نسكيلك يما وقالوا لي ليلة صغيرو في قلبي غمة ودير الفوق يحبوا يقصوا لجناحي قولي ذكراني مخنوق ومنك طالب سماحي يا ليلي يا ليلى وش بش نشتي لك يما وقالوا لي ليلى صغيروا في قلبي غمة حب الدير ودير الفوق يحبوا يقصوا لجناحي قولي ذكراني مخنوق ومنك طالب سماحي Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. Um, we're live uh, from WMNF studios in Tampa, Florida. And um, Summer is actually live via her living room uh, on Zoom. Welcome to True Talk Summer. Good morning, Ahmed. I'm actually via my kitchen. Kitchen, are you cooking up something? Actually, yes, I am doing um, pigeon, squab in English. Whoa. Okay, what's the occasion? Or is this a nor is this your regular? Uh, 
No, uh, some protein uh, because I'm trying uh, to uh, up my protein uh, intake, yeah, Ahmed. There's some echo happening in your kitchen. I'm not sure why. And there's some... some. Uh, no, you need to do the settings in the studio to be uh, setting something. Setting something for your kitchen? <laughs> no, for the studio. Like system, old system. If you click on the audio part... Mm. Okay, I don't think so. I don't know. Okay, well, I mean, it sounds okay now. But uh, uh, Summer, um, there's a reason you're not here today, I guess, that you're not in the studio. Um, but because of technology, actually, if I, wouldn't, if I didn't tell anyone, you wouldn't, they wouldn't actually know that you're not here. Unless, of course, we hear you trying to stir up some stuff in the kitchen or chopping um, perhaps on the show we can, I don't know, it's hard to talk about food, I guess, um, on radio. Uh, but maybe you can do a video tutorial at some point, teaching people or sharing with people some of your recipes and how you're making the meal you're making. What is the, is this an uh, Arab meal or Arabic food, Middle Eastern, Palestinian? What is it? Actually, it is Egyptian. 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 What is it called? Hamam Mahshi? Yeah, hamam mahshi, but I'm not doing it as uh, hamam mahshi. I'm just doing it as boiled, boring uh, food. But I think, Ahmed, um, uh, let's just remind our listeners that we don't usually talk about food and cooking. We talk about more um, difficult issues, and we're hoping to get Miko Pellid, who is an American-Israeli author, activist, and actually a karate instructor, to be on the show and also Ahmed very disturbing what happened uh, in Texas and so many people in the Arab world are asking me why on earth an 18 years old can have this type of uh, weapon and uh, like why why there is so much talk about abortion uh, and trying to have more babies and loving babies yet it is so easy to kill them when they are not babies? These are very legitimate questions. And also, somebody said, is it true that the, 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 uh, the perpetrator cannot buy beer at age 18, but can buy an um, automatic rifle? So these questions are people are asking outside the U.S. and wondering, like, why, why? And I try to explain to them, maybe it's not the time to do it now if Miko is on the air. He's not. Uh, but these... Okay, but these things are so important to explain to other uh, people. How are you going to explain them when there's no explanation here? <laughs> Our own politicians no, are saying, saying that, you know, whenever asked, they have no answers of why America is unique, that this does not happen anywhere else in the world. It's only happening here. Exactly, but I'm trying, because you have people, for instance, uh, some Arab Americans who or Muslim Americans, but let's say Arab Americans, because these questions are written in Arabic. They say, uh, oh, it's the uh, Second Amendment, it allows them. But that's as far as they know how to explain it. So they ask me, okay, why? So I tell them, you know, you have to look at the spirit of the uh, Constitution, because it's an, a document. But out of it, people derive uh, laws. And when it comes to the Second Amendment, uh, 
it says militias and uh, like the people have the right to form militias and then uh, against the tyranny of government. So I want to tell them in very polite terms, uh, like most of the dictators where you live under. So for instance, there is no due process. Anybody can, um, in certain countries in the uh, Arab world, if you go on a demonstration, they can arrest you. Like last week, Ahmed, we spoke to uh, Muna Ala, sister Ala Abdel Fattah, and she just explained how her brother is serving five years because of a, a like he did on Facebook. It wasn't even his comment. Mm. So if this becomes like overwhelming and where thousands and thousands of people are being arrested by government, then maybe the constitution allows people to form some sort of tyranny. But still, I'm not really an expert, but I try to explain these things to them and it doesn't make any sense to them because they can't understand how could elementary kids be killed so fast uh, in such numbers uh, in a very short time. Right. Well, with automatic weapons, but it also doesn't help where, that uh, police officers were, and this is news that's just coming out this morning, that police officers, at least 40 of them, were sitting outside the school for 90 minutes before engaging, um, or at least an hour, an hour to 90 that. minutes before engaging uh, or entering the building to, you know, to engage the uh, shooter, the murderer. Uh, and then there are other subsequent reports that came out that some officers who had children in that school went in the school, got their kids out to safety, uh, but did not engage a shooter and did not allow other parents to go in. Uh, so some people are questioning the behavior of the police officers there um, in how they handled this mass shooting. Um, but we'll talk about this actually at the end of the show because uh, we're now joined by... Uh, Miko, uh, he's joining us now. Miko Paled is a um, uh, renowned author as well as uh, activist, uh, as well as uh, an Israeli American who actually served in the Israeli military at some point, and he was a son of a general. Welcome, uh, son of a general in the Israeli military. Uh, welcome to uh, True Talk, Miko. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Was that accurate? What I said about you. Yes. Okay. Most people. Uh, I mean, how is it that you are a? Um, you served in the. Uh, just as as a reference and background, you served in the Israeli uh, military. Your father was. Were you born in Israel? Well, I don't refer to it as that. I, I refer to it as Palestine. But I was born in Jerusalem. You were born in Jerusalem, but when before, when you were born and living there and served in the Israeli military, um, you considered that to be Israel. At that time. That's what I knew it to be. Yes. Okay. Before you yes. came to, and we'll get we'll get into that. Um, so, uh, when did you come to back or to the United States? Well, I've been living here for, for a very long time. I've been here living in America for for you know since I was young. So a okay. long time. Yeah. Um, well, we want to get into the topic um, of uh, the murder of Palestinian American uh, journalist uh, Shireen who was working for Al Jazeera uh, and the uh, immediate aftermath where were there reports and the Israeli government uh, was uh, denying that they had anything to do with her murder. But now the Associated Press and CNN are coming out 
saying that uh, evidence suggests that you know that she was killed by Israeli uh, fire. So this is the Associated Press headline review suggests Isra uh, Israeli fire killed reporter. Uh, no final word. Even the headline, even when they're trying to get it right, it's still wrong. As if the Israeli fire, like, you know, killed the reporter on its own. Like, it wasn't that she was murdered by Israeli soldiers. Uh, CNN is also reporting similar things, but saying, hey, this is not the final word. We're still still being investigated. Um, were you surprised that it took so long for these international media outlets to come to this conclusion? I'm surprised they came to a conclusion at all. Why I'm shocked that? that CNN that CNN actually um, actually wrote down the, in their headline that there's evidence suggesting that she was killed in a targeted attack. I'm I'm shocked that CNN it, the evidence is obviously so overwhelming that even that CNN can't ignore it, and that's uh, that's that's you know because Israel targets and kills Palestinians all the time. You're never gonna you never hear CNN talking about. Uh, the overwhelming evidence, even though it's always there. This time, I guess it was right in their face, and they to a point where they where they had to admit it. So for CNN to come out and say um, that the evidence suggests it was a targeted attack, it makes sense. I I think it was it had to have been a targeted attack. It couldn't have been any other way that she was killed under the circumstances. You know, considering the circumstances and considering the testimony of people who were there. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's, uh, commendable that the CNN has decided to, uh, to, uh, to state that clearly. Is it maybe the fact that she was a journalist and there's pressure from journalists because maybe, you know, to, to get it right, at least this time and the overwhelming evidence, like you mentioned, is that they couldn't deny it. Yeah, who knows? I mean, who knows what goes on in the back rooms of, of, of uh, you know, of these of the corporate media, you know, these big corporate media giants. Who, who knows? But obviously it came to a point where they couldn't, um, where even CNN couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, Summer? Yes, uh, I would like to remind our listeners who are listening uh, to True Talk. Uh, my co-host and Ahmed are talking to Miko Pellet. We had him on the show before he talked about his fascinating book, The General's Son, and I would encourage all of you to uh, read it, The General's Son, The Journey of an Israeli in Palestine. Uh, and you also wrote uh, Injustice, the story of the Holy Land foundation and i think uh, we also spoke about that amiko you wrote a piece the other day and it attracted my attention because i have read both your books but especially the general's son and from it i knew that you had military uh, background and you are talking uh, in the piece you wrote uh, and I, it's the title the assassination of shireen abu akla who gave the order it's very important in light of these two actually there were three investigations and as we speak miko the palestinian Palestinian uh, authority is, uh, is, is having a live conference at the moment. I'm trying to translate from Arabic to English, and they are mentioning that um, it, the, the bullet um, kind of destroyed her brain membranes and that it was targeting the upper body. And you mentioned in your piece, Miko, this cannot happen haphazardly. You are telling me in this piece that you wrote that maybe some higher up, more than the soldier, uh, was targeting Shireen? Yes, so we look at the evidence and we look at what, what's, you know, from people who were there and testified. Um, there's several things we have to consider. Number one, she was very well known. She was not a stranger. 
Everybody knew who she was for for over two decades. She's been working in Palestine. She's a household name. The military know her. They had to have known her. She's reported. She's been in situations like this before. That also tells us that she knew where to stand. She knew how to remain safe. She knew how to do sensible things. You know what I mean? She had a relationship in a way that she knew, you know, to these to these very difficult situations, how to remain safe and continue to do this for two decades. Um, uh, on top of that, she had a bulletproof vest and a helmet. And the bullet apparently was tar- targeted the space between the helmet and the bulletproof vest. So now uh, what we hear also is that there was no there was, there was no exchange of gunfire at the time. This was this was uh, not some you know fog of war, people shooting in all directions, and she got caught in the middle. That was not the case. Um, so for a sniper to take a shot at a journalist like that there had to have been an, either, either an okay or an actual order coming down from the highest level, if not the Minister of Defense, then the Prime Minister. Nobody lower than that could take that kind of responsibility, could give the okay to do something like this. It had to have gone all the way to the top, to one of those two people. The commander, no commander on the ground would give an okay to do something like this without, without that kind of cover. Uh, it's not, you know, it's different if they're killing some Palestinian kid, nobody cares. If you're killing a well-known journalist, people are going to pay attention. And so, based on what we've seen and what we've heard, then uh, the, the conclusion has to be that the, either the order came down directly from the prime minister or the defense minister, or at least they gave an okay to, uh, to, um, to target Shireen and to kill her. This was absolutely a targeted, a targeted assassination. As uh, actually, as I told you, Miko, I'm translating now uh, the live uh, press conference. It says that um, the the bullet hit her while she was retreating. Like may, the first bullet didn't hit anybody. I think it hit the journalist um, Ali Samhuri. So the, um, the 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 report, the medical report, is saying he hit her while she was was retreating and while they were all uh, going back uh, because they were facing the Israeli military jeeps and then when they heard the gunfire they immediately started retreat they shot Ali Samhuri but then they shot her in the back of between her ear and her uh, her vest uh, her shoulder and uh, it was one bullet uh, took her out the question, yep. Miko, why would, I mean, there were cameras, they themselves had cameras, there were, you know, the support team. Why would they take such a decision, knowing that eventually this will come out? And you know, Miko, that even if mainstream media is not going to cover that, you have thousands and hundreds of thousands of people on social media that will cover them what is going on. So what? So what if they cover? Why should Israel care if it gets covered? I have no Israel idea. commits all of its crimes in broad daylight with in front of the cameras. Why should they? Why should they care if it's covered or not covered? They are completely safe. They commit crimes in broad daylight, and there are no consequences. So why should they care if it's covered or not? Yeah, what you describe describes it makes it absolutely clear that it could only have been a sniper, a target, a targeted assassination. Why they do it? I mean, who knows? I mean, I think you have to be to have that kind of a sick, violent mind. Why were they in Jenin? Why are they attacking Jenin? Why are they killing young Palestinians every single day, spilling Palestinian blood? These kids are 19, 20 years old every single day. 
Why do they bring three battalions of commandos and the secret police and God knows who else into a camp when you have a few, you know, a few young men with, with nothing but, but a rifle? And, and you know what I mean? Why are they committing these atrocities day in, day out all the time? You know, that's a bigger question. The, the why is not really, you know, is, is not really something I think we can ever answer. I think what we can do is state the facts and make it absolutely clear to people that she was targeted, that the, the order had to come up from the very high, as high as possible on the, in, the chain, in the chain of command. Like I said, either the defense minister or the prime minister had to give an okay to do this, if not directly give the order. And that the world needs to pay attention to this and, you know, because Israel is going to continue. Israel doesn't care if its crimes are being broadcast live. Its crimes are always broadcast live. Like I, I said, meant, killing it, you know. I meant because uh, she is very well known. You see how she galvanized the whole Arab world, like the people and the Palestinians. So, like, yeah. why would they do that to Shireen Abu Akla, knowing that uh, it's not going to go away? We're not letting this go away. Well, the question is, what does that mean, not letting it go away? Will there be consequences? Will Israel face sanctions? Will Israeli uh, commanders or Israeli defense minister be held to accountable? No. None of this is going to happen, so why should they care? You know, the worst thing that's going to happen, social media will continue for a few more weeks. Uh, I think the Palestinian Authority asked for investigation uh, by the International Court, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But, you know, these, these things at the end of the day, that Israel has, there are no consequences. Israel does this with impunity. So social media and the Palestinians will continue to criticize. They don't care. There are no consequences. So why should they, you know, they, they know that they can do this and get away with it because they know there will never be sanctions. They know there will never be any consequences for the, nobody, not, not the soldier that pulled the, pulled the trigger or the official who gave the order. So what do they care? She was, you know, she was reporting for a very long time. Palestinians liked her. They probably saw, I mean, obviously she was not a military threat. That's obvious. She posed absolutely no threat to any of the soldiers or anything that was going on there. They could have continued their, their uh, assault, uh, in, in, you know, on, on Palestinian kids in Janine, you know, uninterruptedly. Um, but they chose to take her out. They made a decision to do it. And they knew that they could do it safely and that there will be no consequences. That's why they can do these things, because they know there will be no consequences. Are you familiar, Malik, Miko, with a kind of bullet called Roger? And this is what's coming out now from the Palestinian Attorney General saying it was the name of the bullet or the kind is Roger, and it's also used by NATO, and that it can penetrate um, uh, arm. like um, metal, uh, metal, it can uh, penetrate metal, and it devastated the brain because it was from the back while she was retreating. Yeah, well, that's the kind of ammunition they they must have, they they carry these snipers, I'm sure. And they called it a a war crime. It is a war crime. There's no question that it's a war crime. And it's not the first and it's not the last. That's the problem. It's a terrible war crime. It's a terrible war crime. I mean, just a few months ago, Israel was, uh, Israel, uh, Amnesty International made it clear that Israel has been engaged in crimes against humanity, the crime of apartheid. It's a crime against humanity. It is designated as a crime against humanity. And what happened? Nothing. 
you know, so this is this is not anything. It's 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 unique in the fact that that um, this this murder of Shireen and then what happened during the funeral really touched people, and it gave everybody a, a sense of like a dark cloud descended. It's really more than you know, just just the normal day to day killing that goes on. But when you look at it, if you you know distance yourself a little bit and you look at the last seventy four years, seventy five years in Palestine. There's nothing unique about this particular assassination. Nothing unique about it at all. She happened to be a journalist. She happened to be well-known. She's not the first journalist. She's not the first well-known well person that they killed. You know, they killed Hassan Kanafani. They killed, I mean, they killed so many people. The list goes on and on and on over, over decades and decades. And there are no consequences unless there are severe sanctions, unless Israel is nobody, unless there are sanctions that are so severe that Israel is brought to its knees that nobody sells Israel anything, not weapons, that there's no uh, money flowing in and out of Israel, that they can do no, the Israeli government and the Israeli state cannot function, cannot participate in international events, that the Sixth Fleet is in the Mediterranean not imposing a siege on the state of Israel, demanding the siege of Gaza end, imposing a no-fly zone. Unless these things happen, unless airlines stop flying into Tel Aviv, Unless there are severe, serious sanctions that force the state of Israel to pay a heavy price, nothing will change. If we go on just reporting it, talking about it, you know, uh, there have been, a, you know, here in Washington, D.C., there have been several requests for the FBI to intervene, which, of course, we know is not going to happen. Israel would never allow a foreign, uh, you know, uh, anybody from outside to come and investigate. Unless, the, the, you know, these things are not going to make any difference. It has to be a new, a new way of doing business when it comes to the state of Israel. It has to be a real demand for sanctions. There has to be a real demand for consequences. They have to be punitive. If you're just Unless joining that us, happens, mm. you know, it's not going to change. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. We're speaking to Miko Pellet. He is an author and an activist um, and a public speaker. Um, he uh, he authored the book uh, The General's Son, uh, which talks about uh, being the son of an Israeli general. And he he himself, who served uh, also in the Israeli uh, military, is now an outspoken critic of Israel. And um, and we're speaking about the uh, murder of the Palestinian American journalist who worked for Al Jazeera, who was assassinated um, recently uh, in Israel as or in Jenin, as she was uh, covering uh, activities there. Uh, Associated Press and CNN uh, have come out with reports saying now that uh, they acknowledge that there's evidence suggesting that she was killed by the Israeli military. Uh, Miko, you're saying that, um, that unless things change, unless uh, there's a new way of doing business with Israel, um, uh, and and serious serious sanctions are in place, but one of the, the main group that's an obstacle of that is in Washington D.C. and it's mainly in Congress. Why is Congress so committed to protecting uh, Israel and, in a way, providing political cover for their uh, crimes, their war crimes, and apartheid? It's actually not only, or not even mainly, in Washington D.C. Um, you know, the Zionist propaganda machine began working long before the state of Israel was established. Um, and so for more than a hundred years, they have been operating 
in the United States and in Europe and the UK and so on. Um, and they learned very early on that in America, for example, um, the most import important politics are local politics. Okay. They're in the school boards. They're influencing school boards. They're influencing city council members. They're taking city council members on trips. They are uh, making sure When you say they, who is they? They are the different arms of the Zionist movement, the Zionist organizations. There are Zionist NGOs, not-for-profits in every state that make sure that textbooks in public schools um, do not use phrases that uh, you know, are contrary to the Zionist narrative. They make sure that city council members and mayors and police chiefs all come and get a trip, a free trip to Israel so they can see what a wonderful democracy it is. They make sure to influence public figures, you know, across the board. And of course, state legislatures, uh, you know, members of the state legislatures across the country. And of course, in Washington, D.C., national office. But it starts not only, you know, people usually think when they say the Zionist lobby, the Israeli lobby, they think of Washington, D.C., we have to look at every elected official from school board up to make sure to see to understand just the vast influence that they've built over the years over the decades over over 100 years of incredibly intensive and uh and and uh and you know on the ground work to make sure that in america that i'm sure in the west the zionist story the zionist version of the history of palestine is the one that's accepted. So by the time somebody runs for office, national office, they don't need to be convinced that Israel is right and Palestinians are wrong. They've, they've had it their whole life. They heard it in church. They heard it in public school. They heard it if they were earlier, you know, usually these guys, usually, you know, nobody runs for, for, for Senate first. They usually start with, you know, local politics. By then, they're already convinced. Then, of course, there's work in Washington, D.C. as well. Hmm. So this is the reality. Is that, that when you're saying this movement, I mean, is that illegal? It's legal to go well, and lobby it's, it's, and persuade it's, it's, people, right? Well, it's not, I mean, it's not a question of legal or not legal. It's just that they're very good. They have all kinds of different NGOs, not-for-profits across the country with different names uh, that to increase uh, business ties between, I don't know, Virginia and Israel, for example, you know, to increase um, Including all kinds Florida. of good relations Florida. between Florida. You know, yeah, all the different states have these. Um, and they work tirelessly. They work tirelessly because they know that they are wrong. And they know that if anybody points out, anybody who has influence starts pointing out that Israel is in the wrong. How much of this, uh, what's, what would you estimate as the percentage of the, uh, of the greater, I guess, I don't know, uh, for lack of a better word, Jewish American community subscribes to this narrative of what you're describing, this uh, pro-Israel Zionist uh, movement or narrative, what, what's the percentage? Is I mean, is it overwhelming? Is it the majority? Is it the minority? Well, there's not a single Jewish uh, community. There are many Jewish communities. There are communities of faith. There are communities of, of you know, different, you know, d different backgrounds and different characteristics. You know, so you have, you know, what's considered the mainstream movements, the, the synagogues, the reform and the conservative synagogues. Uh, they are, you know, completely Zionist. They have the biggest uh, bullhorns. They are out there, you know, with these big banners you see across the country in synagogues, we support Israel, we support Israel. Then you've got the ultra-Orthodox community. There's several hundred thousand of, 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 of Jewish Americans who are ultra-Orthodox who have always rejected Zionism and have always opposed the state of Israel, but nobody listens to them because they 
you know, they're ultra-Orthodox Jews and, and people think they're, you know, strange or something. But this is, this is a very important Jewish community that has always rejected Israel and stood up against and, and continues to stand up against Zionism. When they have a rally, they'll have 30, 40, 50,000 people in a rally opposing Zionism, but you don't see it or hear about it. Uh, then you've got people in the middle who either care or don't care, secular or not secular, you know, you... It, but the, 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 what's considered the mainstream, what's considered the, the kind of the, what people see in the public eye, the, the reform, the conservative synagogues, uh, the JCCs, the different Jewish community centers that are run by uh, either by these synagogues or by a bunch of you know, Jewish philanthropists. They are by and large completely supportive of Israel. They have the Israeli flag. They have Zionist summer camps. They have Zionist private schools for kids. And they perpetuate the crime of Zionism, the indoctrinate. Well, when you say, I don't want to mean to push back against, because, you know, we have listeners that may subscribe to these uh, views as well, and I, I don't want, of course, we're going to always get the uh, accusation whenever you talk about this topic, well, you know, this is delving into anti-Semitism. Um, but, How is that anti-Semitism? Well, and their arguments say, well, you know, to criticize Zionism is uh, the Jewish identity, and um, somehow that by by criticizing that that that's uh, you know being anti-Semitism. How, how do you answer that's a that? Complete, that's a complete lie. That's a complete falsehood. They have always been Jews, and they continue to be in very large Jewish communities who reject and oppose Zionism. Conflating Zionism, which is a racist ideology that produced a violent apartheid regime in Palestine saying that rejecting that is somehow racist is absurd. Zionism is racism. Zionism is like anti-Semitism. It should be rejected. Anybody who claims that opposing Zionism is anti-Semitic is either lying or they're out of their mind. It's like saying that if you oppose the fascism, then you, I don't know what, then you hate Italians. I don't know, because, you know, Italy at one point had a fascist regime. It's an absolute lie. Zionism, and if anybody has any doubt, I mean, you can read what the early Zionists have said. You can hear how they spoke. But look at the last 75 years in Palestine. Look what Zionism created. It created a, a, an apartheid, violent regime that has been killing Palestinians. And Amnesty International, in this report, has all the details. If anybody, if anybody wants the details, it's an excellent report. It's only I mean, the report pages. talks about apartheid. You know? it doesn't specifically point out Zionism, though, as the problem. It says, you well, know, the Israel, is, Israel is the pro, pro, pro product of Zionism. Israel is what Zionism is all about. Zionism is, 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 is Israel a Zionist state or a Jewish state? It's a Zionist state. It's not a Jewish state. There's nothing. There are no Jewish characteristics to the state of Israel. But it is a but Zionist there's a constant. State. There's a constant effort there to conflate or to equate the two. That being Jewish is being their, Zionist. That's their defense mechanism, because they want to attack people who reject Zionism by calling them um, by calling them anti-Semitic. But that's complete nonsense. What about millions of Jews who, are, who oppose uh, who, who oppose Zionism? And how can you possibly say that a state that that on a regular basis, as a policy, kills civilians, engaged in apartheid, engaged in massive massacres, engaged in ethnic cleansing, and 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 and, 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 and um, absolutely clear racist policies. How can anybody say that rejecting that is anti-Semitic? Conflating Zionism with anti-Semit with with Judaism is anti-Semitism. 
It's saying that all Jews should support racism. Zionism is in, should be in the same column as anti-Semitism. It is a form of racism. It's a form of supremacy. It is violent and it, is, it must be rejected completely. Can somebody be pro-Zionist and pro-Palestine? No. Can somebody be, uh, I don't know, um, I don't know, say that they support uh, civil rights and, uh, and, and also be part of the, I don't know, white supremacy groups or the KKK? You're equating Zionism with white supremacy. Similar, I mean, it, it is... Yeah, Zionist, all forms of racism and, and supremacy belong in the same column. Uh, Anti-Semitism... Supremacy, fascism, Zionism, they are all part of the exact same thing. Um, I'm sure some people, you know, listening will, will criticize. Another question, you know, these short, short questions. Can, can somebody be a pro-Jewish or embrace the Jewish community and be against Zionism? Reject Zionism, speak out against it. Uh, elaborate on that. The two have nothing to do with each other. In fact, Jewish people have stood up and rejected Zionism from the very beginning. Jewish people, Orthodox, still do, uh, ultra-Orthodox communities, hundreds of thousands of, of, of Jews in New York, in London, in, in Jerusalem, in Palestine itself, reject Zionism and fight against it. And there are secular Jews who, who oppose Zionism too. And the two, you know, Zionism has to be rejected just like any other form of racism and, and, and brutality. Zionism is a violent, racist ideology. It was from the very beginning. It produced a state that is an apartheid state, which is violent and brutal in every way, shape, and form. And it should be rejected. It has nothing to do with Jews whatsoever, except that they claim to represent Jews. Mm. That's the only connection. I think people who support, you know, people who are Jewish, people who, I mean, the two have nothing to do with each other. You could be... You know, absolutely nothing to do with each other. That that notion has to be rejected completely. Uh, you served in the Israeli military. Is uh, I mean, are you speaking from firsthand as far as uh, that Zionism is a form of supremacy? That has nothing to do with my military service. It has to do with the fact that I grew up there. I'm just I saying, was there any type of indoctrination where, where... My entire life was indoctrinated, wasn't it? You, they don't wait till the military. You hear it at home. You hear it at school. You, the, everything around you speaks of, of, of racism. Can you, give us, a, can you give us examples that you heard or that, you know, that people can relate to, listeners that are not familiar? Because, again, I, I, I don't want people walking away where they just hear the word Zionism. Zionism is racism, but without any concrete examples from somebody well, who witnessed it. Well, I've you know, there's, there's lots of books out there. And there's, you know, stuff that I've written and said and other people have written and said about this. I mean, there's, there's a lot of material out there. There's uh, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, who people need to listen to, who's the expert on, on explaining how um, how Zionism is uh, is not only not Judaism, but it is the main nemesis, the main enemy of Judaism. Um, but you grow up, you know, when you grow up as an, as, as an Israeli, you, you, you know, you, you don't even, I don't even know where, where to start. When you grow up as an Israeli, you, you grow up in the sphere of, of, of a racist colonizer. You know, the way Arabs are treated, the way Arabs, Palestinians are looked at, the way the Arabs are portrayed in school. You know, it, there's there's no how okay that's, whatsoever. That's an example. How are Arabs portrayed in school? In, in Israeli schools, primitive, violent, 
backwards, invaders, people who have no belonging and no, no, no don't belong. They're considered, they're called the Arabs of Israel. There's no reference to a culture. There's no reference to a history. There's no context at all. You know, Israeli, the Israeli education system is designed to produce 18-year-olds who will be willing to take a gun and kill Palestinian children without thinking twice to do the kind of, to see, to, to commit the kind of atrocities that we see every single day. You don't see Israeli society standing up and, and protesting against this. You see some very, very few individuals standing up and protesting within the state of Israel, within Israeli society. But by and large, Israeli society com completely, completely supports the violence against Palestinians. And we're talking about enormous amounts of violence. And we're talking about, very, about a very small country. Are they misled in what's happening to the Palestinians? No. I mean, is it no. pr the propaganda has fooled them to think that somehow Palestinians are their Look, aggressors? Everybody, everybody, everybody serves in the army. Everybody has a brother or a sister or a son-in-law or somebody that serves in the police or the secret services or whatever the case may be. Everybody knows what's going on, but they think it's okay. For Jewish people, Israel is a democracy, not for Palestinians. But for Jewish people, Israeli Jews tomorrow morning could stand up 100,000 people and protest against the siege on Gaza. Why the hell are they keeping 2 million people in a prison? They can protest the fact that Israel has thousands of political prisoners, Palestinian prisoners. They can protest the fact that tens of thousands of Palestinian, only, only Palestinian homes are being demolished. You know, is it because that Jews never built without a permit? Or is it because the policy is to destroy Palestinian homes? Israelis can get up and protest all of this tomorrow. They can change it tomorrow. They don't want to. They like this. You know, I recently posted in, on my blog an interview with Gideon Levy, who was an Israeli journalist. He's talking about whistling in the dark. He says they don't want to know this. They don't want to hear this. They don't care. They, the Israeli media is like Fox News, all of it. And so the information is there because everybody commits these crimes. Everybody's part of it. They see it. They hear it. They know about it. They drive by it. It's a very small country. And so Israeli society is complicit because Israeli society is, you know, it's not that they bring, you know, mercenaries from outside. Israelis serve in, these, in, in, in the forces that commit the crimes. Israelis vote for the politicians that, uh, you know, that, that continue these crimes as a policy for, you know, 75 years. This is not something new. So, yes, in the beginning, maybe people didn't know. I know I grew up thinking, you know, Israelis were great. Israelis were good. The Arabs were bad. You know, maybe we made some mistakes, but generally Israel is on the right. But today the information is much more available. It's out there. If you you're know, just joining more. us, we're, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. We're talking to uh, Miko Pellet. He is an Israeli-American activist author, and he is the author of a fascinating book. I would suggest to our listeners to read it if they want to understand um, what Miko is really talking about because he was born in Jerusalem. His father is one of the founders of the State of Israel. The book is The General's Son, The Journey of an Israeli in Palestine. He also wrote another book. Uh, it's called The Story of the Holy Land Foundation, but really to understand where Miko is coming from and why um, he changed as a human being when he saw the injustices that are happening in Palestine 
And uh, Ahmed, just to tell you, I do have many Jewish rabbis, uh, American rabbis who uh, are my friends on uh, Twitter. And I have rabbis from Nituri Kurta. I think what Miko was talking about people in, Washington, in uh, New York who are uh, very, very Jewish people, very conservative, actually, uh, very keeping with all the laws and all the kosher uh, that is part of uh, Judaism. But however, they totally disagree with uh, the founding of this state they they consider it as threatening actually to the rest of the jews but we because we have so many american palestinians and uh, american activists who are pro-palestine who listen to the show maybe not now but later on and they believe that social media and contacting people in congress is really going to have some sort of an effect my, they, if they're listening, they might say, oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. We don't have the same resources. We don't have countries helping us. We have embassies spying on us. So when they go back to their homeland, uh, they can be pulled and interrogated. So what, what, can, what can people listening who are pro-Palestine, who want to help, what can they do here in the U.S.? Well, I think the most important thing to do is to make sure that our elected officials... And like I said earlier, I'm talking about not just those who run for national office, I'm talking ones who run for school board and those who run for, um, uh, you know, city council, you know, I'm talking about local, local politicians as well. We have to make it clear that Zionism, that supporting Zionism is absolutely unacceptable. That Zionism must be rejected completely. That support for Israel must be rejected completely. We have to make that clear to our elected officials. Right now, all they hear is what's coming in from the other side. And of course, most of them are not well enough informed to know, um, to know what, what is actually happening. We need to make it clear to our elected officials that if they support any kind of racism, if they support anti-Semitism, if they support white supremacy, if they support Israel and Zionism, they will not get our vote. They will be, they will be ousted as racists. To stand up and say, I support Zionism is the same as to say, I support anti-Semitism. It's the same as to say, I support white supremacy. It's the same as to say, I support uh, the killing of, of 19 school children in Texas uh, yesterday. That's what supporting Zionism is. It's to say, I support the killing of Shirin Abrakle. It's to say, I support the murder of thousands of Palestinians in Gaza. That's what supporting Zionism is. But they don't know it. We have to make sure that they understand we will not vote for them. We will, we will uh, make sure that everybody knows that what they're supporting is, is, must be rejected. And that's the most important thing that we can do, that they should not go on these trips to, you know, that they're invited to go to the state of Israel, all these wonderful trips they go to. We need to stand up and we need to make that clear. We need to make our voices clear. We need to organize. We need to be educated. We need to know what we're talking about. I just spoke at the University of California and Irvine last week. You know, and Palestinian students who are activists who are, you know, intelligent people, there's a lot of questions that they still have and they don't know how to answer, answer these questions that come from the Zionists. The Zionist story needs to be rejected completely. It is a bag full of lies. It's talking points that are based on lies, that are based on a, on a, on a strategy to support the killing and the destruction in Palestine. We need to make that clear to our elected officials so that they can start to change the story. In Washington, D.C., there's not even an office with a Palestinian flag. There's not even, there's not any, Palestine does not exist 
in the most important capital in the world does not exist. And it doesn't exist in, in, in other places around the country either. So, I mean, this is something that we have to start working on. We have to do. I don't think we should start with, I mean, it's important to go to our congressmen. It's important to go to our senators, but it's not enough. We need to start on the local level and reject Zionism there. I want to thank you, Miko, for being on True Talk. Miko Pellet is an Israeli-American activist author. He's the author of the book, The General's Son, The Journey of an Israeli in Palestine. Thank you so much, Miko, for being on True Talk. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Miko. Um, Ahmed, uh, I think we still have a few minutes and we have to remind our uh, listeners that uh, we're going to be fundraising soon for uh, True Talk. And um, I just want to mention, uh, Ahmed, that um, Miko was born in Jerusalem and uh, he was uh, a special forces. And I think he became kind of... Uh, um, started to have doubts with the 1982 uh, invasion of uh, Lebanon, but he was uh, part of the special forces in Israel, like his father. I really encourage people to read his book. It is very, very interesting. The general's son, uh, the journey of an Israeli in uh, in uh, in Palestine. Uh, Ahmed, uh, we were. Summer, I mean, I, I was. Look, he was being not. I don't, I, I don't know. Fiery is the right word, but very highly critical of um, Zionism. And when that happens, uh, you know, we feel compelled that we have to push back to try to clarify that. So people don't misunderstand the intention that somehow that, you know, and not conflate Judaism with Zionism or what the state of Israel uh, is doing. Uh, obviously, um, we oppose any form of, you know, you know anti-Semitism and um, or targeting of the Jewish community. Or, we don't, and it is said that yeah. we have. To, but, uh, uh, we have to every time we bring every other, yeah. every other word we speak. We have to say it. Our action speaks for themselves, Ahmed. Yeah, but, but people that are <laughs> people that have bad faith will yeah, misuse and take things out of context. Uh, when we're trying to highlight, you know, apartheid system or human rights abuses or how Palestinians are being targeted and killed, like this journalist that was recently killed in front of the whole world. And then even her funeral, when they're just trying to have a funeral for the woman. Uh, and then the funeral uh, was attacked on live television. You, you saw the images. I mean, people could not deny what was happening, that they're attacking, you know, the people holding her casket. It literally fell on the ground and they had to, you know, I don't know if it touched the ground or not. And people on top of that were actually surprised that this uh, journalist, who everybody assumed was a Muslim, <laughs> turned out to be Christian. And they had a big cross on her casket. Yes, and uh, all the people who, most of the people who were carrying her casket were Palestinian uh, Muslims because we don't have uh, this uh, idea of hating somebody because of his ethnicity or, or religion. Uh, his religion. And I, I personally, who have been following her for more than 20 years, had no idea she was a Christian. And it doesn't matter. She was an icon in the um, in in the Arab world as as being a journalist. And I'll, I'll tell you why, Ahmed. Because the Palestinians who live in the occupied territories are used to foreigners telling their stories on their behalf, like somebody would parachute and hopefully maybe will say a good word about them uh, from you know mainstream uh, foreign 
Western media. But for the first time, you have a Palestinian who understands the language, the culture, who has the same accent, is telling the world about Palestine. She told it in Arabic to the rest of the Arab world. So people who were 10 and 8 and 9 years old grew up knowing the, her tone, her voice, Shireen Abu Akla, Shireen Abu Akla, Jivara Al-Budiri. Uh, there are like five or six of them. So all our lives, Ahmed, we're used to people talking uh, on our behalf. And finally, somebody from within their society is talking on their behalf and boom, is shot. And you have this Western media who has been preaching to us about how we need to be human and how to, we need to be decent when it comes to the Ukrainians. But when it comes to Palestinians shot in front of the whole world, all of a sudden she died. Like, how did she die? She died from a heart attack? The language, the, the whitewashing, the sanitation that they did uh, was uh, despicable. And why? For what? What is it that they are afraid of? It's not like people want to go out and destroy the state of Israel or kill Jews or do anything. We just want the truth to come out. This is a war crime when you target a journalist. Right. Summer, we're almost out of time. I just wanted to say, just to get your reaction on the mass shooting, the murder of these children in elementary school, Rob Elementary School uh, in Texas. And right now, just uh, a couple hours ago, uh, the Associated Press is reporting onlookers urged police to charge into Texas school. They waited about an hour to 90 minutes before they actually went in. And wow. even some some parents wanted to run in a rush into the school, but all these police officers were just waiting outside. And now also there are reports that came out that some officers went in to get their children out of the school and then left the rest. This is very troubling information is coming out one? no Any? i mean uh, obviously they're going to investigate but you know people are saying this was completely mishandled by law enforcement um but it's again it's just a reminder of the society that we live in that this is only happening in this country and something needs to be done about it uh, people are tired sick and tired of uh sick of sick and tired of being sick and tired of you know just the same cycle of you know thoughts and prayers and then they go back to doing nothing so obviously there should be some sort of background checks or some limitations on who has these ar-15s and other you know semi or automatic weapons or you know weapons that can be easily converted to automatic rifles um, it's the same weapon that's being used in all these mass shootings the ar-15 Yes, Ahmed, and nothing is being done. And, uh, you know, the way, uh, like, Ted Cruz, I can't handle this guy, he's suggesting that we should lock the door or have one door. I mean, the ideas that they are circulating, and the AJ of uh, Texas is saying we should arm uh, teachers. Yeah, arm teachers. The fact is, there was a shootout beforehand because he crashed his car, he had killed his grandmother before. Uh, So the police themselves couldn't stop them. So how do you expect teachers to do it you know these are teachers they're not in the military but we're running out of time um somewhere well i'm sure there'll be more everyone else is discussing this topic so that's why we didn't necessarily discuss it today um you can get that coverage uh, elsewhere but it's really sad that this is happening in our country and we need to do something about it and i hope that politicians find the courage to uh to do something and um uh, this has been true talk on wmnf we'll see you at the same time same place next uh, Thursday from 11 to noon. Uh, If you have any um, messages, you can email us at uh, truetalk.wmnf. Have a great weekend, WMNF Tampa.